the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about. We talk about God and we talk about the historical Jesus. We talk about the Bible and we talk a lot about why we should trust the Bible. We talk about how we got the Bible and the prophecies fulfilled by Jesus and the reliability of the Gospels and some of the proofs that are offered <clears throat> about the Old Testament and the New Testament, including, well, the manuscript evidence and the archaeology and, of course, prophetic um, prophecy. So what I should say, predictive prophecy. So if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. That's the number. And, of course, producer uh, Jim is standing by to take your call at 303-873-1935. And we can pretty much talk about, well, whatever you want to talk about, 303 873 1935, there's lots going on in the news. And my friend um, Don Sweeting, who is the former president of Colorado Christian University and the chancellor at Colorado Christian University, has an important article posted at Town Hall. That's townhall.com. And um, it's about... Uh, the title of his article is what the three university presidents uh, should have said. And of course, in his article, he talks about um, the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the university of Pennsylvania who appeared before Congress. And Don Sweeting points out um, that the testimony in his article of the three university presidents last week he writes um, at the congressional hearing on about anti-Semitism on, on American campuses continues to reverberate. He writes, then he says, what we heard and saw left many of us dumbfounded. Not a single one of them could clearly answer the question, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate their school's bullying and harassment policies? Not one of them could reply with a simple yes. And so as a result, major donors of Harvard, MIT, and University of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania have begun to withdraw support and called for the resignations of those leaders. Now, um, the University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill has already happened but what Don Sweeting points out is that the resignation of all of the presidents isn't going to stem the problem or cure the problem. 
when the elite educational colleges and universities in America embrace what I've come to call ideological social justice, what some are calling woke philosophy or the embracing of critical race theory and all of the stuff that I've been talking about for the last almost two years now. And so it's all, all coming to a head and fruition. But it goes to the heart of a much more fundamental erosion that has taken place in America. And that is the abandonment of critical thinking and clearly an unwillingness to embrace what I would call a biblical view of education. Now, we've talked about the Bible from a number of different perspectives. Um, Does the Bible speak to a, a number of different issues? And people will blow the dog whistle of Christian nationalism and say, that, you know, these funky fundamentalists or kooky charismatics or these crazy Christians want to establish a theocracy, and nothing could be further from the truth. Most sensible people that I know, I, there's a couple of crazies that I guess we could point to who um, embrace what some have thought of as a biblical theocracy, but I'm going to suggest to you, I'm I'm willing to wait for the return of Jesus for a biblical theocracy, but that's another, that's another issue altogether that I may or may not be able to get to, but I want to invite you to call 303-873-1935. So back to the, this other question of what does the Bible say? about education, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, including our article from Got Questions, Your Questions, Biblical Answers. We have posted an article on what does the Bible say about education. And, of course, we've got um, several new articles that we've put up at gotquestions.org, but I wanted to uh, focus on this question in particular. And the article says, Solomon wrote, and I think he's right, Ecclesiastes 12.12, of the making of many books there's no end, and much study wearies the body. So any student who's pulled an all-nighter, crammed for a test, memorized an equation, poured over a textbook can verify the truth of that statement. Solomon's point was that there are more important things than simply amassing, accruing, accumulating knowledge, namely fearing God and obeying him. That's verses 13 and 14. So, I'm going to pause from the article here and and just go off on a tangent just for a moment. You know, with the with the um origin, the development and the proliferation of artificial intelligence. It's going to make aggregating information technologically 
possible. You know, I remember when Steve Jobs in Apple Computing Company, Apple Products, produced both an iPhone and an iPad. And the genius of an iPad, where this iPad could become any book, what and and even given enough computational power, every book. So what does this have to do back to the article? That's not to say that education is unimportant. In fact, Jesus himself learned. One of the only things we know about his childhood is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, where it says that he grew in wisdom as he grew in stature. That is, the Son of God voluntarily put himself in a position where he, as a human being, assimilated knowledge as a human being, as a man. And the acquisition of that education and development was part of the process. And so the church has historically promoted education and the improvement of the mind. So does education matter? Short answer is yes. We'll have a longer answer. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci inviting you to call at 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I've been talking about uh, Don Sweeting's article that he has posted at Town Hall, what the three university presidents uh, should have said. And at that article, he makes a case um, of... The moral bankruptcy of the colleges and universities were made manifest at the congressional hearing. And um, in his article, he basically says, let's ask ourselves, why was their response so troubling? And why should what should they have said? He said their responses were, were, were troubling for two main reasons. He gives the first reason as their unwillingness to make a moral judgment. He talks about their evasiveness on a straightforward question asked multiple times about the serious, uh, the most serious of subjects, the genocide of a people group, the genocide of the Jews. And he writes that this reflects the moral bankruptcy of many colleges and universities. He says, are we that steeped in postmodern moral relativism that we can't say, are we so steeped in postmodern moral relativism that we can't say without hesitation that calls for genocide constitute a violation of our otherwise elaborate college speech codes. And the he talks about it all depends context. And so he, he, the second reason that he gives is he says the response of these presidents was troubling was their blatant double standards over freedom of speech. We do not sanction individuals for their political views or their speech. 
until it crosses into conduct, said the president of Harvard. So what's interesting about this article and about the conversation is asking and answering a different kind of a question. And that's what's the purpose of education? Is the purpose of education to prepare people to be good citizens or woke citizens or ideological conformists? Or is the purpose of education in part to be able to think and act. And at gotquestions.org in our article on this subject of what does the Bible teach about education, when you get to about the third paragraph, um, we talk about that the church has historically promoted literacy, education, the improvement of the mind, The reformer John Calvin was a strong advocate for universal education, believing that every child should be trained in reading, writing, math, and grammar, as well as religion. Martin Luther taught that education was essential, quote, both to understand the word of Scripture and the nature of the world in which the word would take root, unquote. The modern Sunday school movement began in 1780 when Robert Rakes began educating poor children who were otherwise overlooked by society. Most universities, including Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Oxford and Cambridge, were founded by Christians as religious schools. Now, pause in the article again. The irony shouldn't be lost on you that Oxford, Cambridge, Princeton, Yale, and most certainly Harvard can't be called bastions of a Christian worldview. And some people might think, well, that's great because I don't have a Christian worldview. But for Christians who do have a worldview and who says, hey, I'm willing to talk and defend my view of why I think the world is created by God, that it's intelligible and discoverable. You know, science can draw blood of an unborn child and tell you, what sex that child is. Gender and sex is not assigned at birth. It's discovered at birth. Or even sometimes it's discovered before the child is born through the miracle of modern technology. And then back to the article at gotquestions.org, your Questions, biblical answers. The article says, in the book of Proverbs, a son is exhorted to heed his father's instruction. The application of knowledge learned is called wisdom. 
By the way, the word education does not appear in the English form of the Bible. But Scripture does say a lot about the process of education, and it begins with the parent and the child. And so the command to parents is to nurture their children in the Lord, according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Fathers, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Greek word, padia, translates that word nurture in the, in the Old King James Version, but it carried with it the idea of training, instruction, discipline. And so when we think about training, instruction, discipline, these are all elements of education. Solomon tells us that the basis of all true knowledge is the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, it's interesting about that word fools in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It doesn't mean a stupid person or even an uneducated person. It means a person who's void of moral judgment. So the fool is the person who disconnects from wisdom and instruction because they're void of moral judgment. Even something good can become evil when it's disconnected from God. And I want you to think about that because people will throw around that word evil. And when I'm using the word evil, what I mean by that is the absence of good. So imagine you have something and a little of the good disappears, then more of the good disappears, and then all of the good disappears that's what that's evil that's what evil really is so the word fear doesn't carry the idea of terror or dread rather it's awe reverence it's amazement of the holiness and the majesty of god but with that comes a reluctance to disobey or disappoint him so Jesus said, when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Okay, this is Gino Geraci inviting you to call me. At 303-873-1935. That's 303-873-1935. I've been talking a little bit about education. I'm going to come back to that subject. But on X, uh, formerly Twitter, uh, there is a posting by someone on Twitter, formerly, you know, formerly Twitter, now X. And, and it shows uh, a man who's in Barnes & Noble. And he's in the fiction section 
of Barnes and Noble. And in the fiction section of Barnes and Noble, they placed some copies of the Bible. Now, what's interesting about that is Barnes and Noble is showing their true colors. Is the Bible a work of fiction or nonfiction? Now, I'm going to come, I can talk about the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Obviously, most of you who are listening right now, you know the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Fiction is a word that we use to describe when writers use their imagination and create something that doesn't necessarily correspond to reality or history. But the Bible claims to be a historical document. Now, I'll come back to that, but it's just interesting because in the in the X file, it's really funny for me to even because of the 90s representation of the X files, you know, Twitter files, X files, you know, I'm I'm so so used to seeing it, but he's showing a picture in Barnes and Noble of Bibles in the fiction section at the bookstore. Now, um Jesus said, when we know the truth, the truth will make us free. So imagine you live in a world where Jesus is a fictional character contained in a fictional book with fictional sayings. Did a real Jesus living in the first century, as recorded by John, really say that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So freedom from fear comes from being educated in truth, but also freedom, I'm going to suggest to you, to think and to act biblically comes from knowing the truth about the human condition and the solution to the human condition of sin, which is found in the Bible. In Romans the Apostle Paul uses the word know or knowing 11 times. What are we to know? We're to know God's Word. That's the Bible. When we acquire spiritual knowledge and apply it to our lives, we serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. In Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 13, it says, So you also must consider yourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as sin uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought back uh, from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So imagine in the, in the, in the fiction section, you, you, you're, you take out the book and you go, well, the creation of the world, fiction, fall of Adam, fiction, promise to bring a Messiah, fiction, the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, fiction, It's interesting to me, the topsy-turvy world, 
where black becomes white, where truth become becomes a lie, where sweet becomes sour. <laughs> In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Christian is supposed to show himself or herself approved unto God, a workman who need not be ashamed. The NIV renders the verse, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. The Greek word translated study means to give diligence, to exert yourself, to make haste, to apply yourself. Therefore, in order to educate ourselves, we have to apply ourselves to the study of the Bible and the Word of God with diligence. But there's a growing reluctance to simply open it, read it, talk about it. Some people see education as a cure-all for society's ills. In the recent hearings uh, that were taking place with these elite universities, the call was that education will solve the problem of ignorance. And I suspect that there's some truth in that that education can, in fact, solve some of the problems surrounding ignorance. When people chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And yet some 30% of the people who make the chant, if you ask them which river and which sea, they can't tell you. Education in and of itself does nothing to combat sin or ungodliness. In fact, knowledge apart from the love of God and the word of God is going to lead to pride. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writes, Now, concerning food offered to idols... We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Just having an understanding of the facts doesn't always create a mechanism that will lead to love. And the application of love. Nicodemus was Israel's teacher, yet he didn't understand the basics of spiritual life. In John chapter 3, verse 10, 10 Jesus says to, to the religious leader, to Nicodemus, he says, Are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? He's talking about the subject of being born again. You must be born from on high. Clearly, Paul was highly educated. He was trained under the most rigorous, disciplined schooling that was available in the first century. 
he was a student of Gamaliel. In Acts chapter 22, verse 3, Paul says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, that's Jerusalem, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. So he uses his education to communicate effectively to Romans, to Greeks, to the people who live in Anatolia. But you know what Paul's education didn't do? Didn't make him holy. He needed something else. Someone else. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. And again, the number is 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And of course, I've been talking about education, but um, Paul warned about people who are always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And simply knowing facts doesn't make you a better person. And sometimes it can make you a highly educated fool. So education begins with the reality of God's existence and the fact that he's communicated us to us through creation, his word, and his son. Hey, over the last several weeks, I've been telling you about heart for Lebanon and, uh, Again, just want to just encourage you for all of the people who listened and who contributed. Um, thank you so very, very much. You know, um, winter is coming and um, survival essentials are necessary. And $79 will take care of one family. So I've been asking for a gift of $158 to take care of two families. Our goal is 150 families. You can call. Eight 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 five seven eight ninety three forty. That's triple eight five seven eight ninety three forty. And it's my understanding that we still have our banner up at ninety four seven FM the word. And so you can go there, you can click on that banner, and again, thank you so much in, in advance. There's so much going on. I had a great conversation with Jack Hibbard earlier. And um, we talked a lot about what's going on in Lebanon, and we talked a lot about what's going on in this great big world. And we, we all know that there's a war going on in the Middle East, and we, we know that um, there's lots of reasons why we can c- care about what's happening to everyone. And again, why God in his grace and his mercy is using Heart for Lebanon to bring much-needed aid and the gospel. So again, um, if you get a chance, just pick up that phone, dial the number 888-578-9340. Give generously. Your gift of $79 is going to take care of one family. And that those families usually have about six people in 
in that in that family and there's all kinds of wonderful little um things that are used to to provide for them and it's just a wonderful open door to the gospel and um in my conversations with with Jack Herbert we we discovered that for the Syrian refugees who have made their way into Lebanon this provides a powerful open door to the gospel. You know, people have said repeatedly, how in the world do you defeat your enemy? To me, I think one of the uh, most amazing ways is to make them your friend. And what better way to... uh, talk about Jesus. Again, if you get a chance, just go to the website, 94.7 FM, the word, click on the banner, call the number 888-578-9340. You know, um, I'm hoping and praying that this Christmas season, we're going to be able to help like never before. You know, one of the promising things is that there seems to be some evidence that revival is beginning to um, break out in America. And I'm, I'm hoping that more and more people will hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And as you know, on this program, we talk about history and we talk about current events And we talk about prophecy, which often, but not always, refers to future events. You know, it was the Pulitzer Prize winning historian Arthur Schlesinger. He wrote uh, Folly's Antidote. He he, um, is quoted as saying, history is to the nation as memory is to the individual. And I thought about that quote when I was listening to the testimony that was given by three university presidents. I'm We're living in a world where people are willing to tear down statues of Jefferson, but then put up statues in the courthouse and, and the Capitol House of Iowa as an homage to Satan. In what world is that a good idea? In what world is it a good idea to tear down statues of Washington and Jefferson and put up a goat statue to honor Satan? We're having a kind of memory impairment If you don't love your country, it doesn't make sense that when your country calls on you to defend it from enemies, foreign and abroad, that you'll do that. As persons deprived of memory become disoriented and lost, not knowing where they've been and where they're going, so a nation denied a conception of the past 
will be disabled in dealing with its present and, and its future. That's what George Santayana said in his book, Reason and Common Sense. You'll remember George uh, Santayana. He's the guy who, of course, his most famous quote, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So together we can educate the next generation so that they won't repeat the errors of the past. 303-873-1935. We only have a second. Um, yeah, Dan is gone. So I am so sorry I didn't get to your call. I would love to take your call. And, of course, I'm hoping that you'll call back and we can talk about free will. Um, so 303-873-1935, that's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. You know, I've been talking about that great big subject of wisdom. And, of course, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, remember it says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the honor and glory forever. So there's lots of things. <laughs> what are your thoughts about going to school? Are you going to go to college? Are you going to go to a Bible college? What kind of preparation are you making for your future? Well, there's lots of good reasons to uh, consider going to a school where they will not only train you in the Word of God, but they'll help you cultivate a character that's honoring and pleasing to God. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. We'll have more, hopefully, prayerfully, when we come back. I'm inviting you to call 303-873-1935. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 